Pirates Episode 6, The D. With me, as always, is the impenetrable Imperatrix Knox. Hey. It's the most chipper I've ever sounded. I mean, we got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> It'll happen now and then. <laughs> the impenetrable. That's awesome. I thought you is that to rival the Salt Father? Is that is that what is that sure. the dig? Okay, I get it. That it makes everyone just a little more afraid to be around you, and who doesn't like that? Until they met me, and then they pee. It's great. I mean, scarousal is a beautiful thing. It is. I'll take it. So today we're talking about the D. More specifically, <laughs> D types and power exchange dynamics. Just to be clear for the. The dirty bastards who may be listening who are getting their hopes up. You mean all of us? Well, yeah. Sorry to edge everybody like that, but that's not the part <laughs> we're going to be talking about today. That's for another episode. Um, <laughs> right? I know that we covered so many of the, the social aspects of whatnot and power exchange dynamics in what, part one, and I realized that we just covered so much, but there's still so much more we can go in without deep diving into, you know, individual relationships and things like that. Like mm -hmm. D types and S types have so many different specific forms that I thought mm -hmm. it, did, it couldn't hurt to make sure we actually cover those individually, at least to some extent. Cause I think a lot of people don't understand that D type top master, you know, you hear those words get thrown around constantly, but so many people don't understand that there's more than one nuance to many of them. That's true. You know, that's, so. that's a good point. Speaking of, right at the beginning, tops. The most <laughs> basic, inherent definition of them all, and so many people still get it slightly wrong. That's very true. That's very true. How would you define a top? Let's start there. I, my problem is that, like all of us poor bastards who are a little bit old, a little <laughs> OG in that regard, you know, mm -hmm. top was a very basic definition when I started, and so I've always maintained it that way. A top is literally the person who is in the top of a scene. Power exchange dynamic. Scene length, whatever it is. Now, it can be longer than that if you're, like the old leather couples would be, it's very much top and bottom. Mm -hmm. But that's because for them it was nothing more than for scening anyway, so they didn't feel a need to define it past that. They didn't have dominance they didn't have lifestyles they didn't have contracts and consent and all the all the wonderful things we have developed since then in this organized structure we call bdsm mm -hmm. it was just i'm the top you're the bottom and that's that mm -hmm. i don't feel a terrible need to over define it past that simply because that's the whole reason we have so many terms today so yeah i think the difference for me is i feel like Top is describing an action, not necessarily an identity. And I, I make that distinction because to me, when you're talking about bare bones power exchange, right. a top is more transactional. It's got a finite time period. It's a finite agreement between two people. Whereas when you get into the other types of the left side of the slash, so to speak, it's a much different commitment. And, and like more of a relationship dynamic, right? Top bottom to me is not necessarily a relationship dynamic outside of play partners. And that's why I call it transactional because I feel like it's, you know, we're going to play at the bar. We're going to play at the club. We're going to have a quick scene. We may have a two day long scene, but you're still just the top. Right. And, and so, and I say that not to be, I'm definitely not trying to slight that because I think topping oh. is absolutely a valid thing. But to me, I equate it more with an action. 
You are topping, not that you are a top, if that makes sense. No, it Whereas to me, does. like when you say dominant, you are a dominant because you are a dominant. You're dominant all the time. You know, you're not topping yourself all the time. Right. Well, and it's <laughs> I guess like, you could. Uh, That'd be weird. What he refers to as a service top. And I'm, I'm personally yeah, absolutely. to refer to them as a service top. Not because that doesn't happen, because obviously it does. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we're talking specifically about tops as a general, although I suppose service top mm-hmm. can go in with it too, to be fair. I, um, no, I think, I think service top absolutely does. Because if I agree to become someone's top, you're now a dedicated play partner. But if I do like a pickup play scene or I'm engaging in a one-off with somebody that I just met, that would be service topping. I suppose that's true. I'll agree with right? that. Right? Or if you're doing it for like educational purposes, right? Somebody's like, hi, I saw you do this cool thing and I'd like to try it. Will you top me? You're service topping. You're not invested necessarily in that type of a dynamic outside of here, let me show you a cool thing and give you a good experience. Right. The only reason I have my reluctance, and it's not really reluctance, it's wanting to make sure there's a clear point on it. And it's that there's the other side of service topping, which is for submissives of other dominance, whether it's... You're dominant, someone else is dominant. Uh, your dominance, other submissive, your friend submissive. And it's just like, whether it's they themselves or maybe their their dominant walks up to me and says, I really want to see your sub beat the tar out of my sub, etc. And yep. that's still very much service topping because the submissives aren't looking to be tops all the time. It's for the length of that, usually in preference for the sake of their D-type, more often than not as opposed to them choosing dominance on purpose. Mm-hmm. No, I'd, I'd go with that. I, I could get behind that. But yeah. I can certainly yeah. see the value. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, it happens anyway, so. It does. <laughs> no, it does. I've, I've had a couple of submissives over the years who absolutely were not tops in any capacity. They didn't enjoy it. They didn't get a thrill from it. There was no power enjoyment, none of that. But they absolutely were super heavy into service. And the mm-hmm. idea of pleasing their dominant was enough for them to say, well, this isn't my jam, but I will absolutely learn to do it for your sake because it makes you happy. And mm-hmm. that makes me happy to do it. And right. they could get into it that way, which I totally respect, of course. No, but but again, like you're saying, it is it is a service because they see that as a form of giving back. Right. I mean, I did that early on in my kink journey. I I was absolutely identifying as a slave or submissive, depending on the dynamic I had, and then service topping others. But that was also a way of me expanding my own personal knowledge. That was part of my education. So yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm, I'm the kind of person I would absolutely send someone to be a service top for them to expand their education, not just, oh, you know what, she's hot, I want to watch you beat on her or any number of other things that go with the norms of that. And that's certainly transactional, too. But mm-hmm. I always look at it from the educational standpoint of I need you to go do this as a top and learn from it for your educational purposes as well. Because it expands well, their way of seeing things. It does. And I'll and I'll actually compound that because obviously in the femdom world, pegging is like a constant thing. <laughs> um constant request, constant yeah, and for those that are listening that don't me, I I don't knock pegging by any stretch, but I make fun of it because that's literally the number one request I get. That's the oh, most disrespectfully phrased. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll I'll use pegging as an example because you'll have, we'll say, you know, 
dominant person that enjoys anal stimulation and directs their submissive to engage in that with them. Yes. And people are like, oh my God, you ju- you're a switch. And it's like, no, no, they're still very firmly in control because they're dictating how the sub does it, exactly. at what speed, tempo, what toy, the lubricant. I mean, there's so many things that go into that that they're actually still directing and in control of. Yeah. It just so happens their submissive is the one that's doing the pushing. Exactly. And that doesn't almost really technically count as service stopping at that point because they're not. They're well, but, but in a sense, like, to, I mean, to a degree, sure. But I think once the activity gets rolling, that's where the service toppiness can come out. That's fair. And, and, the, and the submissive is not necessarily doing it for their pleasure. They're doing it for their dominance pleasure because it's an obvious pleasure. Well, and, you know, it, and it, they are giving service, even, even from that top perspective. So that, and that's something that I find tends to be very controversial among dominants. Because they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm still in control. And it's like, you're in control to a degree, sure. But you still, at the end of the day, are allowing that other person to top you. I was going to say, the moment you start giving in to the pleasure of it and you kind of lose yourself a little bit and they take over because mm-hmm. they see you and they're getting into it because they see you in it. Yeah, there's right. probably a little slip of control there. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. At all. Kind of the point, really. <laughs> Otherwise, why you started in the first place if you weren't looking to enjoy yourself? Like, <laughs> right, right. I need you to do this in my butt, but I'm not going to like it. I, then why the <laughs> hell did you watch them to in the first place? <laughs> do this in my, my, my butt, but no, I'm in control. It's like, <laughs> oh, really stop. Though. Yeah. It's like, will you stop that's, before we hear everybody? I, it's just painful. That's That's that uber domly dom. I are dominate. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's, I, I laugh whenever I see that. Doms. Okay, it, whenever Batman, somebody can't spell, whenever somebody can't spell dominant, and they're always like, "I dominate," it's like, "Oh, that's so painful." It's so painful. But that's why I start using "I are dominate." Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, cringe. Well, you have the other side of that, which I I find personally fascinating right now, is there's been a trend on TikTok from all these younger uh, gentlemen who aren't necessarily tops themselves to begin with, at least not in any way that's obvious. And they've been running around lately, and there's been a stack of them going on this trend of, we want to get pegged, we want to get pegged. But there's another <laughs> side to it where they're like, but we want to talk ethically, and we want to communicate correct." And it's it's this very healthy, amusing romp of them basically talking ethically, enjoying themselves. And it's like, yeah, I can get behind this. It's not <laughs> my particular type, but I will absolutely get behind it in more ways than one. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you want to enjoy it, hey. Right. And I'm I'm here to help you enjoy it. That's exactly. a great thing. Exactly. Absolutely. I am absolutely. all for letting you enjoy yourself. <laughs> At my discretion. <laughs> right. And if I can make it hurt a little bit, even better. Um. <laughs> um. As far as that's tops and. I hate to yeah. say make it sound like tops are generic or the least commentable, but it's really not that. Mm-hmm. It's more topping was the base foundation for the descriptions of everything else that comes later, really. Because yeah, we just I agree. didn't have them until then. Not because they didn't mm-hmm. exist. I mean, masters, dominant, slaves, uh, all of it existed before that. We just didn't have a common form of language for it because nobody cared enough to organize it. Or I should say, nobody was willing to risk their own life and livelihood for it. You know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's accurate. It was only a hundred years ago. If you came out like that, there's a good chance someone might murder you in your home. 
Not mm-hmm. common, but it could happen. But ostracizing sure. an exile from your local township or local community, absolutely. It could cost you your job, your reputation, your ability to and, live. Unless unless you were wealthy and had like a gigantic colonial-sized home. <laughs> and even then, it depended on where you were and what the people around you were like. Even then, it wasn't always safety. It was just slightly likely to survive. <laughs> Scandalous. I know, right? <laughs> Salacious. Well, yes. hell, scandal might have been what kept you alive in local community circles, ironically enough. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're going to gloss over topping and move on, but it's more, there's only so much you can talk about tops as a whole without it being about scenes, and that's not the point here today. No, topping is just, it's a good foundation to, to get into the others, because when we start comparing and contrasting, right? Exactly. You, you need to have that common language. I, I agree with that. That's a good good ploy. I like it. I'll allow it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, the The next one definitely on the list, however, is the the base definition for anyone who's made it past the scening stage, and that's dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that only in terms of, you know, you've gotten your transactional end, you've enjoyed your scenes, and whether you're coming to it for the first time, you've been indoctrinated, whatever the case may be, you're part of a family and you do your first scene and you're like, wow, this is <laughs> great. How do I do this a lot? Mm-hmm. At which point enter the dominant. Um, <laughs> when you realize, oh, I want to do this more than just like right now, once a month at this wonderful party of mine, I want to mm-hmm. do this to someone all the time. And that's still kind of breaking down dominant a bit basic, but it's a good way to describe because dominant is simply the, I hate using it this way, but I can't think of a better way to describe it. I use dominant the way people describe God in the sense of if you don't have a better word for it, it's a common term that everyone will understand regardless of their own beliefs. Dominant works the same way for D types. No matter what D type you are, you are still at the end of the day, a dominant. You are that side of the slash. Whatever Mm. your particular titles, formats, configurations might be, it is the base point of this is more than just for a scene. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that either. I've spent many, many years as, quote-unquote, just a dominant. So for me, to me, dominant is more of a mindset than a physical action. I agree. Those, those are, I mean, that's the, the best way I can distinguish top and dominant. Because to me, like, when you tell someone, oh, yeah, I identify as a dominant, you're saying a lot of things. It's not just one simple of, I like to be in control. Well, duh. <laughs> like, that's why somebody approached you. They want you to be in control of them for a moment. But, like, when you say, I am dominant, that's an, there's, there's a sense of ownership there. There's, there's a boundary and there's also an expectation yes. because when you say that you're a top, people don't have the same expectations of you when you say that you are a dominant. Um, and I find, especially when I'm around other leather folk, when I identify as a dominant, there's a higher expectation on my behavior yes. and the things that come out of my mouth. Right. Whereas if I walk into that same group of leather folk as a top, they're like, oh, hey, how, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's a little more casual, colloquial, you know. But I, but yeah, when you say dominant, there's there's a lot of expectations that get rolled up into not only of 
other dominance, but of how submissives will look at you. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because, yeah, because that's the whole reason they're approaching you. They, they're wanting someone to take that type of firm control. And if they're approaching you as a dominant, not just, hey, can you play with me? You know, they're wanting to dive a little deeper into the waiting pool. I think. No, and so it's I more it's more intense. That's exactly so, yeah. it, actually, because it's not that there's a, it goes back to tops are basic only because it's the nature of what they are is basic in that sense, because it's more about what you're doing and less about what you're going to be doing or will be doing mentally, etc. Mm-hmm. Dominant is like putting another suit on. Yeah. It's like, OK, you've topped. You like the idea of topping. You want to do more of it. But maybe it's more than that, and maybe it's much like approaching someone in leather and asking them about their cover because it's got some pretty leaves on it or whatever. Hmm. You don't know what the other person's nature is right away, but the moment they describe themselves as a dominant, there is very much a difference in the way you look at them. Yes. And you should. That's kind Hmm. of the point. This is Because this is our base definition, it's the right point to actually talk about Choosing dominance, choosing that part of the slash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While, yes, top obviously is part of that as well, but we talk about it past the length of a scene for a reason, because the length of a scene is the safety and control of a scene. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what kind of play it is, regardless of what actions are involved, toys, tools, results, aftermath, aftercare, all of that matters. And that all matters to a top. That is still their responsibility as well. I'm not acting or trying to suggest that tops have less responsibility. It's that their responsibility begins and ends in the length of that scene. And the aftermath there is until both sides are satisfied with everything involved. And then you go about your life business 90% of the time. A dominant has chosen to put the hat on and keep it on at all times in some form or another. Whether it's with a girlfriend, whether it's with a partner, whether it's as a demo dom, um, whether it's as a professional, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you have chosen to take the responsibility of taking the control of another person on purpose, actively, with mm-hmm. consent, to guide them, to assist mm-hmm. them, to show them things, to show them how to live better, because more often than not, they don't know how for themselves or need the assist. And, of course, there's the other side of that, which is the part we all enjoy as well, because it's not just about responsibility. It's about being serviced. It's about receiving that control. It's about having it and guiding it and using it. And that's where I find most dominance fuck up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the whole, like, and I won't even say it's a newbie problem, right? Because I've seen no, very not. experienced people get into it where they're like, they get so so caught up in the how are you going to be of service to me? What are you doing for me? And it's yeah. like, get over your ego for a, a hot second and appreciate the fact that you have a warm-blooded human being standing in front of you saying, I want you to control me. Yes. And appreciate for a moment what that took. Yeah. Actually. You know, and that's why, like, whenever somebody comes to me like that, they're like, I want to serve you. I want to be of service to you. I always ask how, right? but then my follow-up question is always, why me? You know, and, and, and that's the other thing, like, I'm kind of strict and high maintenance in this regard, but like when somebody comes to me, it's like, no, I really want to become like a dedicated sub of yours 
or I want to be integrated into your household. They have to petition me. Well, of course. Justify to me why I need you. Last right? check, that's how it used to be done traditionally anyway, and I don't see a reason why you can't continue that way. Well, because internet <laughs> culture is a thing. That's um, but anyway. it, it is. But that's why I don't deal with it. Right. But I mean, that's, but that's why I started doing that again, because I realized, especially when I talked to more dominants, they really got hung up on that whole, well, I'm the dominant, so you should serve me. Yes. And it's like, the fuck, why? You put your pants on the same way I do. What distinguishes you from the other 30 male doms that I've experienced? You know, or thank you, alternative, darker Facebook. Um, <laughs> Oh my like God, that's more accurate than it should be. <laughs> especially with the new GUI. Like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. But I digress. But like, I mean, but that's it. The demographics in kink are so funny because you, you do have to acknowledge that for a minute. By and large, most people that you engage with in kink, and it's the vast majority, are male dom, other identifying submissive. Right. Yes. So fem- all gender submissives, yes. but typically male dom. And so the nature of that is that it makes it hard to try to find a partner and to like branch out. Right. Because you're already kind of at a disadvantage, Sir Domly Dom. And, you know, the submissives get to be choosy because they're all rare, delicate flowers. And as a female dominant, I, I have the reverse. Because I am more sought after than the submissives, so to speak. There's a smaller pool. That's because you're the rare delicate flower. Sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, but that's but that right there is what I think creates a lot of these weird perceptions oh, it does. of what being dominant or being taught means. Because the other thing that I found, like when submissives will approach me is that they're not even actually aware of what they're asking or what they want. Which, to me, to have somebody approach me and say, you know what, something in you resonates in me and I would love you to control me. I don't know what that looks like. I don't even know what the hell I'm asking right now. It just, it hit me. It's strong. And I want to see where this goes. I can work with that. Versus somebody coming to me that says, I'll allow you to do A, B, and C to me. Oh, well, my, my, thank you, kind sir. Aren't you gracious? Here, go take you know. a number, wait in line. Someone will service you at some point. I'd but for, for real, like at that point, I'm always like, go find a professional that will deal with your bullshit because you're not paying me to. Right. And this is, this is why I wanted to get into this right here because I knew we covered with part one, we covered a lot of the social dynamics of power exchanges, which don't get me wrong, have their place for a reason. There's a reason we went on about mm-hmm. it the way we did. Because it is more than just kink, and it is more than just, you know, you know, top A to bottom B. Mm-hmm. But when we get into this end of it, when we get strictly into the BDSM end of the gene pool in terms of mm-hmm. dominance, I'm actively one of those people who like to point out, I don't really consider you a dominant just because you want someone to be your slave sexually for a few hours. Right. Now, I realize that a lot of people wear that hat anyway, and it goes back to what you said about they don't actually know what that means. I don't care if you know what it means until you educate yourself. My problem with it is you come in, and 90% of the time, they are just like, ooh, sex. And I'm like, 
yeah, you can find that out there. I promise. This isn't about the sex. The sex is a wonderful, gorgeous bonus. And yes, it's intense. And it's sexy. And it's amazing. And it's crazy. And it's dark. But there's a reason it's all of those things. And it's not just, ooh, she's hot. Or, ooh, he's hot. I want to fuck it. Well, yeah, that's great. But that's everyday vanilla attraction. Mm -hmm. The moment I put a Dom hat on, I don't need you to look at me as the gorgeous thing, you know, Adonis's, you know, favorite sliced bread or whatever the hell it might be. Mm -hmm. If you come to me as a safe missive, if you come to me and ask to be my to be of service, I'm the same way. It's my first very much go to is, well, how do you plan to do that? Because if you tell me by sexually satisfying me, I can get that anywhere. And in my case, since I already have an active submissive partner, that's covered. What else do you do? Because I don't need more than one person doing that for me to be good. What about the rest of things? What else are you going to do in my capacity for my household? Mm -hmm. What good are you beyond sex? Because if you're just here for sex, there's a billion other people that will absolutely cover it. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with crazy sex. God knows I'm the last person on earth to say it's bad. <laughs> I'm a leather sex Anybody person. Anybody in kink that's never... like, no, not that. Right? <laughs> it's that if that's your focus, there's a dozen other tops, riggers, and other assorted one-off type people who are just doing it for that as well that you will find that covers the base just fine. Mm -hmm. I put on the dominant hat because I do need and want more from my life than someone who wants me to strap them down once in a while and beat them and then fuck them. Because, again, I've already got at least one of those. So, yeah, two is nice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm never going right. to say it's a bad thing. God knows. But you need to do more than that because, okay, well, what about the other, as the joke goes, what about the other 23 hours and 45 minutes of life? I mean, you right. know, like, okay, great. I got mine and I, maybe I got mine twice. Now what? Right. You still expect me to put up with you for a week at a time beyond that. Um, then you need to do more than just be great there. I don't care how good you are there at that point. That's irrelevant to me. What are you going to do for me and expect for me to do for you that isn't in the sexual arena? And that's really the key element for me about dominance. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't disagree. Wooly. I don't think so. Um, 14 what? minutes of cuddle time. That's aftercare. Thank you very much. That's afterwards. Anyway. And it's only because he was asleep for 13 of them. Well, you know, if you put me to sleep, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Bored or dehydrated? Bored or dehydrated? Both. Both. <laughs> and if I'm so <laughs> bored that I pass out on you in the process, you need a lot more help than I can give you. I'm just saying. Oh, good grief. <laughs> right? Good grief. But but no, yeah, no, that's, those are all solid points. I, I like that. Those, those are solid. Right. And it's not that I'm, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on tops that just like getting laid or anything. Like, there's a place for that, too, in the kink community. I'm not saying they don't exist or that there's anything wrong with that. I have met plenty of, like we've said before about, you know, one-off you know, play people who go to dungeons to just do their particular fetish and they're not really worried about 24-7 TB dominance and things like that at all. Mm -hmm. um, like the gentleman I've spoken about before from the Fetish Factory does like, you know, Florentine violet whips. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's a dedicated skill set. It is very unique. Yeah. While yes, he probably does it for the art as well. I doubt he's doing it just for the art if he's not looking to be in a master slave environment. He's also doing it because he's getting something out of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. More power to him. God knows. Especially if it's working for him. And I'm sure it is. But he's also not looking to be a dominant. He doesn't describe himself as one. Because he does recognize the difference. And that's not what he's looking for. And that's the other key element to that is he's not just looking for that. He's looking to have fun and have a good time. He's not looking to take control of you 24-7 and dictate how your life works. I am. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of my point. The moment you put the dominant hat on, it involves a few more working steps. Well, and I I feel like... Because this this is where word choice matters, right? I never want to say that one thing is more dedicated than another, right? Because to me, all of them are dedicated. All of the people engaging in these, t- these different types of power exchange, I feel are equally dedicated, at least initially when they start it, right? Oh, for sure. I think it comes down to commitment. What are you willing to commit to? Yes. Right? Are you willing to commit to one night? Are you willing to commit to one scene? Are you willing to commit to a, a type of relationship? And I say a type because there's so many different types, right? You know, or are you committing to something that's even more in depth? Like you said, a 24-7 TPE. You know, I, I think I think those are the different degrees there because, and, and one is not higher, better, more than the other. There's no, there's no moreness to this, right? Um, I think it's just a matter of, Figuring out how much time can I dedicate? How much of myself am I willing to dedicate? Right. And what does my ideal relationship with that person look like? You know, because there's, there's been several times that I've been going, you know what? I'm ready for, to take on a new submissive. I want a new sub. And then I find myself going through six to eight months of basically service topping and being completely content and realizing I didn't actually want a sub. I just wanted to play and get my kink on. And there's nothing wrong with and that. And that didn't make it I mean, less of anything or let my interactions weren't less. They were all still enjoyable and pleasant. Right. It was just different. And it was different than what I had initially set out for. No, I agree with that entirely. And that's that's why I'm being careful about the wording I'm using, too. And it's not because I, I don't like bandying words. Anyone who knows me knows I hate that crap. It's that I don't want anyone to feel like I'm saying that, oh, because you're not a dominant, you're not as good as I am, or not as dedicated to kink. Or, you know what? You can enjoy your single kink all the way to the bank as far as I'm concerned, and I will never shit on that. Dominance, the reason I call dominance the way I do as far as the, the base D-type definition, shall we say, other mm-hmm. than topping, which topping is transactional. Dominance is for... The responsible end of, we want more than just a scene's worth of control. For lack of a better short form to describe the two. Absolutely. And again, there's nothing wrong with a dominant any more than there's anything wrong with a top. I don't care if you don't like to be referred to as master, owner, handler, whatever (laughs) we get to to cover today. Right. You're still a dominant at the end of the day, first and foremost, in terms of what you are. Not necessarily your title. 
But the point is that you wish to take control of another human being and do so in a responsible way long term. Not just for your own pleasure and benefit, but for theirs. It is a mutual situation. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. And I think that's where a lot of dominants do get it wrong with what we said earlier about, you know, they come in for the service for themselves. And they need to remember that service is a two-way transaction. It's called a power exchange, not divide and conquer. (laughs) Power dictatorship. Right. That always makes me laugh. Well, exactly, though, because at the end of the day, the whole the very basis of dominance is an exchange. You Mm -hmm. are taking control, not just because they want you to have it, but for a purpose. They're not just giving you control because you want control. There's another side to that equation for them. So if you do not satisfy that part of the equation, then the problem is not on them. You're the one who chose to take the responsibility of putting the damn hat on. And I'm not saying that that means that submissives can't be toxic or unpleasant or wrong, because as we both are well aware and are fond of pointing out, it's a two-way street (laughs) on that as well. Oh, yeah. God knows it is. There's no such Mm -hmm. thing as a submissive that's absolutely an angel and can do no wrong. That's not how it works. I was fucking perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But the point being that as far as, at least as far as I'm concerned, let me put it that way, to be Mm -hmm. very specific. The (laughs) moment you call yourself a dominant, kind of like if you put yourself in leathers and call yourself a leather person. Right. Not just, I think the clothes are hot. I'm going to ask (laughs) questions. I'm going to look at you a little differently. And I'm going to judge you a little differently in terms of your responsible sense. Because I need to see that you actually understand what you described yourself as. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to meet, there's no bar barometer of you must be this kind of dominant to qualify. It's not like that (laughs) at all. Your bar can be, my bar for, you know, actual requirement for that is pretty fucking low. Do you have a pulse? Reasonable and ethical. Not just, oh, she's hot and she sucks me off really good, so she's my submissive. You know what? No, that's your girlfriend, and she just does that one thing you like. And there's nothing wrong with that either, but it doesn't make <laughs> Your one-trick pony can sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and especially since it's only her trick, and you provided nothing for this equation. I mean, <laughs> Hey, if I bring a dick to the table, that counts. Well, yes, but you have to actually bring the dick to the table. His was attached. Uh, he didn't I mean, bring anything. It was by proxy. And at that point, any dick can work. Is that the guy version of I'm hot and I showed up, so I'm in, right? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and I think with male dominance, that's actually, actually, that's a great way to describe. That's exactly what that issue is. <laughs> is that most male uh-huh. dominants come to the table with just that. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to find this hot submissive that I can put handcuffs on and, you know, screw the shit out of. Well, yes. Yes, Ew. you can. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me. I love that shit, too. Handcuffs are lame. Well, there's that too, but you know, I was Think trying safely, to be nice. Kids. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> the point being that I need more from my environment than just she's really great in bed and I can tie her down. Mm-hmm. That's great, that's and I'm all for that. But if that's all I'm after, I'm sorry. I am a picky bitch. That would be a flavor of the week kind of thing for me if that's all I'm getting out of it. Because why would I lock myself into a single person for the rest of anything? If that's all I want out of it. But I don't. I need more from my life than, ooh, she's great. Or, ooh, he's great. Okay, great. But what about, again, the other 23 hours and 45 minutes of life? 
well, I need them to be a little more functional than that. And I need to be a little more functional than that. And that's how we mm-hmm. come into dominance. <laughs> yep. Because as we've pointed out more than once, and I, I know people are really hate it when I describe submissives this way, because most of them just feel called out. Uh-huh. You can obviously agree, disagree, or point out differences as you see fit, because of course everyone's mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. is different. Most submissives, by the nature of who they are as a person, before they even realize they're submissives in many cases, are not really good at life stuff. Not because they Mm. can't, it's that they lack either the willpower, the functional thought process, the willingness to do it for themselves. So what ends up happening more often than not is they will find themselves in a place where, especially in the case of work, they may be the dominant personality at work. They may be a boss, a manager, someone who other people look to. They may be mothers. They may be all of those things. And more often than not, that means that they're not really good about taking care of themselves. Because it becomes part of the back pasture. It's, well, I do all these things for all these other people. I just don't have time for myself or I can't be bothered for myself. And it's not that they don't want those things. They just don't know how to put the two together. So instead of taking care of themselves, their concern is taking care of others. And this goes back to service, too. See, I think that that's going to be more the types of subs that maybe you're attracting. Because I don't tend to find that as much. This is but, <laughs> but I will, But I will say, too, because you are speaking from, like, a heterosexual standpoint. Right. Stereotypically speaking, you're also, there's a lot of gender roles that go into that. So while, you know, a woman submissive may be overwhelmed and do all that stuff because they're the caregiver, nurturing, all that crap, to me, if there was actual... And, and this is going to be a soapbox, so I'll apologize in advance because fuck gender norms. No, absolutely. But I agree with you anyway. <laughs> unless unless you're into 1950s household, um, which is valid. I've got friends who practice that, and it's a beautiful thing when it works. But my thing is, emotionally speaking, and this is a proven fact, when women have families, um, they can't. I won't say that they can't. The emotional labor and everything else that goes into making that relationship work because the division of labor is so unequal to begin with, especially if she's working and has a family. Right. I think that's actually more the issue than them just being a scatterbrained person or them having some kind of inner failing, you know, and not that you were saying that these, these people were flawed or broken, but no, just, I, I want to make it clear because as, as a woman who's been in those positions, um, I wasn't less dedicated of a person or, or I was seeking somebody else to take control of my disaster life. My life was never a disaster. I've always had my shit together. I chose to submit because either A, I wanted to switch my brain off for, you know, a short while or B, it's just nice to have somebody take that other half of the labor, you know, and that's, and that's really, I think the key is because if, if you're in a relationship that has traditional gender norms, for whatever reason, um, you you get so used to people having expectations that you perform at that level consistently because that's your responsibility. So it's nice to have a dominant step in and take some of that load off of you, even if it's just decision making. 
because now you can focus on other things more clearly, more efficiently, and you can triage things better with more, I'd say, guidance or input. So to me, it's a very different thing. Oh, 100%. Because I, I am not attracted to submissives that are projects at all. Same, actually. We're, we're, all, we're all damaged. We all have baggage. But to me, if, if a submissive comes to me and the first thing they tell me is, you know, I'm not employed. I don't have a car. Um, I was thinking about college, but not really sure. And just overall, their whole life is just kind of a wreck. I'm not a mommy dom. No, and that's a very not about that different life. kind of thing. Absolutely. And I don't want to be your life coach. Like, I'm hoping <laughs> you have parents for that, and I ain't it. Um, because to me, I've hit a point in my life, especially, where if you're going to come to the table, you better come correct. And I should not have to worry about your base needs. You should have that covered by the time you come to me. No, I totally You know what I mean? That. Well, then that's, that's the other side to that part I hadn't gotten to is, you know, in my in my youth, call that however you like, in the younger days of the salt father, um, <laughs> when I was just a wee seasoning. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, really, though. You know, in the beginning of my taking journey, when I was much younger, I was more prone to taking on those levels of projects. Um, mm -mm. And it wasn't that I looked for Exhausting. them actively. I just didn't mind taking them on. I had more energy and resources to pour into that sort of thing. So I didn't mind the same way. At okay. this point in my life, nope. I, when I talk about that kind of thing, I, as you pointed out, I definitely am not talking about someone who's broken or flawed or anything like that. It's that more often than not, in the sphere of influence of their life when I meet them or when they're encountered, let's say, in the wild, mm -hmm. they are the power base for their sphere. Whether it's because everyone looks to them, everyone answers to them, their boss... And it's not because they're incapable of taking care of themselves. It's that it is just not the priority format. And that is exactly where a dominant comes in for them, is that it takes the load off of them to worry about those things they don't have the energy to also devote to because they're so busy worrying about everything else they're already doing. Right. Not because they can. It's just that it would be easier if they didn't have to. And they understand and that makes the sense. difference, and so should you at that point, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because, no, I'm not looking for the broken bundle of four kids divorced for the third time and living out of, you know, squalor. I'm not looking for a project. I do not have the energy for that at this point in my life at all. That is a no. Right. That is a no starter every time. Sure. But if you are <laughs> the, the power CEO or the, you know, upper management person, or you just have a family and everybody in your local neighborhood comes to you like you're the matron of the area. All of those things are still valid for submissives. And more often than not, they still have trouble with things as simple as drinking enough water, not because they can't, but because right. it's just not the first priority in their lives. Mm -hmm. So having someone come in and take those reins for them to put them, you know, as I've been fond of pointing out before, the whole reason that many submissives seek subspace is to quiet the mind from all the insanity of everyday life. Especially in this day and age. And no, it's not the same for everybody. But there's a reason they seek that. Right. Because sure. they don't need another person answering to them in their life. They already got enough of that. They need mm -hmm. someone who can let them take the pressure off and stop worrying for a while. 
And I think that's a huge thing in the nature of power exchange. And people don't look at that part of it. They don't. They look at the sexy part. And they look at the fun parts and the, you know, as we pointed out, the people looking for sexual kinky gratification. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But the whole point I of agree. power exchange goes beyond that to the responsible end of living. Well, see, and that's why I like to talk about service submissives. Yes. Because that that to me is like, and I know that's a whole other topic for a whole other episode, but <laughs> to me, um, service submissives are are the point, you know, the, the anti that. Because right. your service subs come to you typically with their shit together. They They typically have a very clear idea of what their ideal relationship looks like to them. Yes. And they're coming to you simply because they want to be of service. Yes. And it's not do me, play with me, making all these demands. It literally is, sir, ma'am, how can I make your life better? How can I be of service to you? How can I make your household run more efficiently? What can I do to help relieve some of your stress while you guide yes. the rest of us? Yes. And I say it from that standpoint because naturally I have a stable. So... I, I am usually juggling multiple egos at the same time. But that's um, yeah, that's the environment. And to me, those those type of subs that come to me that way, I, again, they're making it very clear what their expectations are of me. Right. But they're also making it very, very clear what they want. And it's very pure from what I have found. Oh, absolutely. Right? To Because to me, that is more of what I would call a pure power exchange. You know, person's coming to you with open arms and a clear vision. Here's what I want. Here's what I expect. Here's what I hope to gain. You're coming to them saying, I can provide these things. Here are the other things that I can provide so that we both get, you know, mutual benefit out of this. And it's, it's, I don't know, to me, it's just pristine when that happens. And it doesn't happen often. No, but you know, I agree with those you. kind of matchups are, are kind of on the I... rare side. When they happen, it's amazing. The last person, it's, it's been many years at this point since someone approached me that way, but I will never forget mm -hmm. it as long as I live because the last one who did, it was in my 20s. It was the end of my 20s, but it was before I got married and I had this submissive approach me during a coffee date and say, listen, mm -hmm. I don't have any kids. I am the manager in my particular establishment. I don't need you to fix me. I am not looking for someone to save me from myself or my bad habits or anything else. I am looking to serve you. Because service is something I enjoy, I crave. And the ability to serve you in all things would make me the happiest person on earth. Knowing that you would take that with the understanding that it means you would help me live better. And show me the way. Not because I need fixing or guidance, but because right. it means I don't have to think about it for a while. And I need someone who can do that for me. Well, and fuck, I do that as a dominant. That's a beautiful fucking thing. <laughs> it keeps it simple. She knew exactly mm -hmm. what she wanted. She knew how to address it to someone she wanted it to be done with. And she was able right. to articulate it the way it should have been articulated. Mm -hmm. Because she knew exactly what she wanted. This is not a broken person who was looking for a knight in shining armor. This is not a at person all. who knew exactly where she was in life, was good in where she was in life. I could have gone about my very business and she would have been a fine person. She did not need saving. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Mm -hmm. It is. 
And she knew exactly what to approach me with because she knew and she understood the very basis of the point is it's not just what I get out of it from her for being attractive, sexy, great in bed, able to bake cakes, whatever it happens to be. All of the above. It's that we say, those are all great. each other by covering all those bases together. And that is the point. It is mutual. It isn't just one doing for the other. It's both serving each other in a specific capacity. Oh, see, I like capacity. that. I like that. And a lot of people here serve that way in both directions. They're like, oh, that's not how it works. I'm a dominant. No, it is how it works. It's called a power exchange, dumbass. Right. Not, yeah. Again, You're exchanging not power something. Conquest. You're not, you know, <laughs> taking control of another person without their consent is an entirely different thing. And I assure you, it has no place here. If you have that, come talk to me. We'll take care of you. That said, moving <laughs> on. Um, but that's, you know, that's exactly it. It's not about saving someone. It's about providing for each other. Because like I said last episode, and this was, you know, when I was talking about, you know, nobody likes talking about this part of it. Hmm. Dominance are in high demand for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's not because there's two of them. It's that right. we fit a certain form that is being sought after. And it's not how good you look. It's not what you can do in bed. Those are bonuses and they're not not looked at. Mm-hmm. But they're not the point. Right. The point is you're providing something that they need you to provide. And they want it enough to know what they want out of it. It is your job to pick that up, put the hat on your head that's responsible enough to recognize this. And appreciate what you're going to get out of being a responsible party. Not just, oh, she's hot, I'm going to tie her up later. <laughs> Which, again, oh. I'm all for kinky fuckery. <laughs> yeah, but that's different. I mean, because I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Because the, the whole point of it is both parties are of service to each other. Mm-hmm. Power exchange implies give and take. Exactly. You know, and as a as a dominant, you can't take, 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 because then you're going to emotionally bleed that person dry and you're toxic. But um, that's usually what happens. It begins a cycle if it has an it, it does. one. And those dominants, especially if they're in the larger community, get found out pretty quick if that's if that's yes. how they're engaging. Right. Because they they hit the radar pretty quick of every other submissive like, oh, hey, watch that one. You know, and I always love it because those dominants will try to say, oh, I'm just demanding. No, you're a prick. Well, and I find it amusing. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's okay. I was only going to say the other side to that is also the the responsibility that I'm fond of picking up is there's a collective, for lack of a better way to put it, and I've referred to myself and Woody likes to, you know, poke at me about it now and then. (laughs) I have always been the bulldog in my community. I have always right. been one of those who's outside on the fence watching for people like that. And I'm not the only one. There's plenty of us that are. Some are more healthy about it than others. But it's where I come from. It is part of my responsibility to my community to watch for yeah. those people because there are submissives who are new, who are not aware of them yet, who have not had to go through that cycle. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many red flags they get shown – aren't always going to pick it up for themselves right away because it goes back to what I said last episode about if you talk enough of the talk, Hmm. it's enough that many of them can not see the other flags right away. 
Oh, 100%. And that's unfortunate. 100%. It's just the nature of what we are and how we do things. It's sure. really easy to get caught up in the frenzy of they're everything I need. No, no, mm-hmm. they're not, but you just don't know any better yet. <laughs> yes, Woody, wish.dom, you got it. Head mm-hmm. on the fucking nail right there. That's a beautiful thing. But that's exactly what it is. And it is, it has always been the nature of any community I've been in that I do watch for them. And it's not that I go nasty on them automatically or like a vicious attack dog. It's that I will calmly find them, see them, frequently verify that I'm seeing them with my own two eyes with other bulldogs, and go mm-hmm. have a conversation about, listen, this is not the place for you. you I'm careful with how I do that. Right. You have to be diplomatic because it's not about being an ass just because you well, know they're no. unhealthy. That's not going to serve anything. No, I don't know. I, I do enjoy being an ass for some of those reasons, especially I mean, publicly. Too, but <laughs> no, I, I do. I I. There's there's a small vicious part of me that gets off on public humiliation of people that deserve it. Right. Um but I also as as much as I want to protect and help people, I also recognize that all of us are adults engaging in this. Yes. And there are some lessons that have to be hard learned. And as much as it sucks to watch people struggle and make those fucked up decisions, right? You have to let them fail. Oh, absolutely. And so like it's it's I will say this. I don't typically intervene unless something is directly said in front of me or if somebody directly approaches me. Right. Um, yeah. To Woody's point, the part of the brain that says I shouldn't call them out publicly is broken. No, I agree. Um, <laughs> because because certain things it's just it's too easy not to. Right. Like I yeah. there was one guy. And it, it happened. There's there's a very large munch in my area that's. I'm not kidding. It's it's like a couple hundred people. It's very large. Oof. Yeah. Well, pre-COVID. Obviously now it's a little different. But right. pre-COVID, it was a gigantic event. And it was it's a great event. The organizers are fantastic. Um, it's it's a really well run experience. They they've put a lot of heart and soul into this and you can tell, right? And but it is open, come one, come all. Which is the problem. Because you get a wide range of folk and you get a wide range of experience and typically it's at venues that serve alcohol. So there's a whole nother layer of dumbassery that happens uh, as that, as the night continues. Um, and, and I'm being denigrating on purpose because the, I, the interaction that I watched was pretty, it was, it was so cringe. Um, stereotypical Uber Donnelly Dom, has had a couple of cocktails, so not only is his ego massive, but he's got liquid courage. Femme sub, kind of shy, in the corner, right? And I watched him walk up to her and literally, not not just physically corner her, but cut her off from the rest of the group because he, he decided that's the one, right? And me and a couple other people had kind of watched this, and I was waiting to see if she looked like she was in distress. Like, if I saw the fight or flight thing happening, right? And she excused herself to go to the bathroom. So I approached her in the bathroom and was like, hey, I saw that guy approach you. You seemed a little uncomfortable. Um, You're welcome to come sit at my table. And she's like, yeah, that would be great. Perfect. Give me your out. It's classy. Just leave the bathroom. Come right on over with us. And it's, you know, girl time, right? We We left the powder room together. We're now a sisterhood. Right. And... She sits down at, at my table with, with my group, and there's about eight of us. 
dude comes across the bar like, oh, there she is. I have to go get her now and retrieve her. Oh, God. Right. And all of us watch this happen and we're like, here he comes. Here and, and I warned her. I warned her. I was like, he's, he's coming over. Don't say a word. I've got this. And she's like, thank you. And so he, he walks up and he's like, hey, I, I thought we could finish our conversation. And I was like, actually, we're getting ready to leave. So if you don't mind, um, have a great night. And he got belligerent. Nope. And again, I'm, I'm sure it was mostly the alcohol. I'm going to give him that out because I, most people when put on the spot like that typically don't respond this way. But like I said, he'd had a few drinks. Right. And he was he like actually put his hand on her shoulder Ooh. and was like, you do want to talk to me, don't you? What? And like, that's when I saw the fear in her face of like, oh, God, I can't get out of this. I'm oh, going to be no. stuck having to talk to this oh, guy more no. or potentially going somewhere with him. And I just calmly got up and walked around the table and I was like, did you just grab her? And he's like, I mean, I didn't grab her. Not, not like that. And I was like, you you seriously just put your hands on somebody out of munch in front of 100 different people. Yeah, really? Like she was your property. Oh, and he kind of looked no, at me no. and, and <laughs> you could tell he realized, oh, shit, I've misjudged the, the situation. But then he instantly was like, who is this bitch? <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh, now it's playtime. Oh, yeah. Because now it's personal. Well, because and I was like, you literally steps. have enough time for you to turn and walk away from this table before I make a very public statement about you. And it's going to be embarrassing. This is your one shot. Turn around and leave. No, absolutely. And she turned around very politely. Can I'll just I'll talk to you later. It's okay. Message me on FetLife. And I was like, stop talking. <laughs> He's not messaging you on FetLife. You're going to block him. And he, he turned around and called me a bitch. And I was like, uh... <laughs> I was like, I'm your Huckleberry. You know, that's fine. You know, usually people have to pay me to call me that. But right. hey. And so I literally, I was like, Clearly, you're, you're new to the service. lifestyle. <laughs> well, in, what was funny and what caught the attention of the organizers is when I started calling him Mr. Gray, <laughs> because I, I didn't even know his name. Oof. But, but I was like, listen here, Mr. Gray. And everybody was like, wait, what? And I was like, he thinks he's Christian Gray. Like, it, this is great. And so now everybody is paying attention. And it had to have been, we were on a patio, so it was probably 30 people or so, 20, 30 people. And that's when I noticed that the other male doms very like legitimate male doms you know not just they're trolling for dates right all of them kind of stood up and they're like are you harassing somebody here at the munch oh yeah and and it was like this pack that just surrounded him oh yeah and i don't even nobody touched him but it was very clear that he was being moved out of the restaurant mm -hmm. and see like it was hilarious it be. it's yeah. not about being aggressive and any more than, and I wanted to be clear that when I talk about being a bulldog, I don't mean help saving submissives from themselves. If you yeah. want the dude who's clearly unhealthy, it's not my place to fix your error in judgment. I can do the best I can in making sure that you have the environment you've chosen. Yeah. But if you chose it and you're going to choose it when, like in the case of your case, if they had said in the bathroom, no, I'm fine. Right. Then it is what it is. They've made their decision. Yeah. And I'm going to okay. let you make that decision because it is your choice, not mine. And I would have now had she made that decision, I would have, in all honesty, I would have kept watching her. Right. Because like we know, right? We know how that's going to go. We know how crappy that interaction is going to be when it happens. And I wanted to be there because to me, that was so hyper aggressive on him 
to, to come at her in a public place like that at a restaurant like that in front of a group focused on that. It was just like, dude, you are so out of bounds. Like, and what's right. funny is he did message me on FetLife. Oh, did he really? Yeah. He had the balls to send me a message the next day and was like, I see that you're a dominant. Were you just poaching my submissive? Are you serious? He did. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Dude had massive balls. Um, no. No, he doesn't, but we won't get into that today. Well, not those kind, but yeah, <laughs> I ended up having to, to go straight to the organizer with screenshots because I was like, hey, so this happened and this guy needs to be weeded out. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Well, and that's you know? the kind of guy I'm talking about where they don't understand yeah. that no means no. And more importantly, the moment you put blood in the water, when the pack stands up, it's time <laughs> to go. Sir, you should leave. Because it's one thing for someone like yourself picking up on something like that or myself. And I'll watch that situation like you will until it changes. Because it could still change. If it doesn't change, that's on her and whatever decisions they make. If they walk out together, that's between them and they'll figure it out. If it is clear that they are not comfortable is where I will step in, where I will make it a point. Like you offer them basically an out that gives them a safe way to back out of it without hurting themselves or others. Mm -hmm. If you pursue at that point, I have given you the warning shot across the bow. And like Woody said about why we push for folks to be part of local communities. Yes, because there is a huge difference in how you approach each other in a physical space. Absolutely. And that's exactly what that's about. It's not that you save people from themselves. It's giving them an environment to make those decisions for themselves safely. If you mm -hmm. choose, still choose to actively choose someone who may not be a great choice, that is between you and there's nothing anyone else is going to do about that. Not because we don't care, but because it's not our place to decide it for you. It's your life, not mine. I choose for me, you choose for you. Right. I will give you the best environment I can to make those decisions. And that's the key part. And that's where, in my in my particular perspective, where I see as a responsibility as a dominant, is it's not about just protect. It's not about protecting you from the bad doms. It's about giving you the environment to make smart choices for yourself or whatever else may happen. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have the environment to have that choice, and that I will police to the iron. And that's the difference. Yeah. You know, there's a huge difference in, like, the guy you're describing is the kind of guy we would actively be pushing out of the environment and probably have talked about to other group heads, hey, you should be aware of this guy. Oh, I did. Right? And that's <laughs> how it's supposed to be. That, to me, isn't per se bulldogging, but it is bulldogging. It's watching for people who are clearly unhealthy, who don't take no for an answer, and the other person is clearly not comfortable. Well, but I also see it as... Just the very nature of the kink community as a whole. If there's no feeling of safety, people are not going to engage. And if people don't engage, they start learning in a vacuum and doing all sorts of weird and dumb shit at home that's dangerous and toxic. And so, like, to me personally, are there toxic behaviors that people let go? Yes. All the oh, time. Absolutely. Do we have those people that you see and you're like, ugh, there's that guy again? Absolutely. Um, and, and mind you, when I say guy, I'm being very gender neutral with that. Uh, it's euphemistic. Do you see that person? Oh, God, there they are. 
because of the nature of like the secrecy of kink. Because as you want, you could be as out as you want to. People still don't go screaming it from the rooftops. Hey, I'm kinky, right? Because not everybody needs to know what kind of sex you like. Well, and it's not their business anymore. So there's there is a feeling of illicit, dirty, seedy, kind of all of that that goes into people's minds to even walk into their first event. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I always keep in mind is. Do I want that person being the first person they they get approached by when this is their first event? And the answer is no. No, of course. And not. if I don't trust them to interact with new people in that regard, they don't need to be a part of my community. Mm-hmm. You know, because older I'll, I'll say older kinksters, they can smell the bullshit a mile away and be like, "Bro, back off. I'm done with you." Yeah. Like, don't even walk over here. I can smell your bullshit from here. Have a great day. Here's the fuckboy spray. Go back over that way. Huh. Right? And yeah, I actually have a t-shirt that says fuckboy repellent. Nice. Um, but to me, that that's different because you've already have the mechanisms to know what healthy looks like. My fear is always the people that haven't built that yet. Yes. And so exactly. they're still learning. And they're like, well, but he seemed nice. Or, you know, when that person approached me, everything was fine until I realized, oh, they're being kind of pushy and that made me uncomfortable. Well, there's a reason you got uncomfortable and it's not because you're new. It's because the other person's an asshole mm-hmm. and it's okay to call people that when that's what their behavior is, you know, and, and there is ways to do that publicly that puts someone in their place and lets them know this is my boundary and you've crossed it. That doesn't make a scene. Right. But unfortunately some people just need to have examples made out of them and that, and that can be awkward, especially for somebody new, somebody trying to, penetrate into a community that they know nothing about with people that are all strangers, you know? And so that's, to me, those are the people that I I try to keep in mind. And those are the people, like when I think of how am I serving my community as a dominant, those are the people that I say I'm serving. I'm not serving the experienced kinksters. You know what to do. You should know how to behave. I'm serving those that come in and are, are either so new that they don't know if they're dominant or submissive right? Because we see a lot of those or people that are so new that they're like, I know I'm dominant, but I also want to bring my spouse into this space. Can I do that? And how do I do that? And how do I do that? that Right. Right. Those are the people I want to help. Those are the people that I want to spend time with and dedicate effort and energy to. And so those are the ones that I'm going to protect. 100%. You know, well, the other ones, if they're experienced, they're, they're going to have to let me know there's a problem because I'm not going to intervene as quickly because I don't feel like it's my place. Right, exactly. And that's exactly how it should be. Um, I don't want to go too much further into the community end of it because, honestly, mm-hmm. local community is almost an episode all its own just because of the nature of the community. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is. Sure. But we could also talk about it till we're blue in the face even right now with reference to what we're doing. And I don't want to get so far out of reach. Um. But I will address the comments that we've had in the chalkboard about, you know, there are unfortunately local communities that are not great. I'll leave it at that for now. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they happen. Um, there's at least a handful where some are better than others. But I am the same way you are in that regard, where when I serve the community I'm with, it is to provide a safe place for new people. Not because I don't want a safe place for the people I personally will interact with on a regular basis as well, whether it's at a dungeon or in social circles, whatever. 
but because I've expected that they've learned a bit themselves the same way I have and can approach each other ethically and safely like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So I assume you've put your big boy pants on at that point. And if you do have yeah. an issue, you're going to, if I am a community leader of any kind, or someone you at least trust enough to approach that situation, you come to me and say, hey, normally I don't worry about this kind of thing, but X, Y, Z. And we can mm-hmm. talk about it and figure it out as grown-ups, because at that yeah. point you're also a grown-up about kink. I don't Absolutely. expect someone who's walked into their first munch to have the same responsibility to themselves. I wouldn't expect them to. They don't know how yet. That's kind of the point. So, yes, I do want that environment to be safe for that person mm-hmm. until they put their big boy pants on and figure out – or big girl pants on. I'm not trying to be genderish. Um, <laughs> but whatever the case is, when you're ready, you're ready, and I want to make sure you have the opportunity to get there. And that's what I make sure of. Everything else is, right. you know, semantics. Sure. Um but it does happen. And like like Woody pointed out, there's, there's you know, as I've said before, Minnesota happens to be a very healthy community group. And even then, there's there's communities that are good, bad, or indifferent. And again, that's another whole episode. But some are better <laughs> than others. And we'll leave it at that. And it's, you know, you as a grown person in kink, once you know enough to know what to look for, it is up to you to be smart about your choices. In this case, we'll move on to, we've covered dominance, we've covered tops, we have talked endlessly about all those things that go with it, which is important because those were part of the reason I wanted to make this episode. But moving on to the other forms of D-types, because unfortunately they also deserve their attention. I say unfortunately, I don't mean it like that. I mean in the fact that we haven't gotten to them yet. And we'll, we'll start with the other obvious one, master slash mistress. Yeah. And I have to put them together even though I don't personally look at them the same way. Um, And that's not because I don't see anything wrong with mistress being comparatively to master. It's that often I find that they're not referred to the same way. That's accurate. When I hear someone say mistress, they're usually not, even in kink, they're not usually referring to someone who would be their quote-unquote master. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different thing. Frequently it's very sexual connotations more often than not. It's like, yeah, she's my mistress. I do what she tells me to. Okay, cool. But more often than not, half the time, that's just she beats the tar out of you for sexual gratification and you enjoy it. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not quite the same thing. As, you know, when people say master in the community, it has so many connotations. The big one and the most basic one is the obvious, which is, you know, master is you have taken on someone as a slave. More specifically, you have taken on someone in a 24-7 level environment. And obviously it's different for everybody, and there's nothing wrong with master just being your particular title of choice. One does not automatically exclude or insist on the other. But for lack of a better way to describe it, let's say the common language point of definition for a master is for TPE environments. Yeah. Someone who's decided this is going to be all day, every day, as long as we live. You will always be my slave in all capacities at all times, no matter what, at my beck and call. What I find amusing is I've found that I'm less interested in that particular pursuit more than I had been in my youth, ironically enough, in my younger years. Really? Yeah. Not because I don't appreciate it, and it's... 
I, I think part of it is because my own perspectives have changed. Mm, okay. And part of that's because I don't need you to be a slave out of the gate. And this goes back to what we say about when I take on someone for training, it's kind of like an educational course, not just the training and service. It's that when I finally put a collar on you, it's about as close to slavery as it gets. Because by the time I've decided it's time to put a collar on you for good, we've reached a point where you might as well be serving me 24-7 anyway. And that's just the way I was the way I was raised in kink, the way I was raised in my leather house. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't always master-slave environments. It wasn't always TPE. But even those of us that were quote-unquote just dominance when you finally took the next step it was like an upgrade i hate to use the word upgrade it sounds so crappy like a wish.com thing and it's not i'm not trying to cheapen it Mm. it's that your particular dynamic has for lack of a better way to put it leveled up from (laughs) training to full time yeah whatever that may format may take it may be full 24 7 beck and call all the time Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, you know, as long as you're able because you both work your brains out and don't have time to be like that 24-7. But that doesn't mean you can't be comfortable referring to each other in a master-slave arena. And I don't want people to think that it has to be one or the other. That's all. No, and and that's there's a lot of... Because master-slave... And and I'm assuming next we're going to dive into ownership and property. But those, I will say, especially now in kink, master-slave is so politically charged that I find yes. less people are using those terms. Um, Precisely. So, like, for me, and I've actually done classes on this about finding your dominant archetype, but for me personally, I hate the word mistress. And I hate it because you're implying I'm someone's dirty little secret. And I am literally none of those things. Right. Perfectly fine in an ethical non-monogamy being someone's side chick. Not a problem. I'm wired for casual shit. But I do not predicate my power exchanges on that. No. Oh, God. That to me is like a friends with benefits booty call kind of a thing. You're you're my 3 a.m. call. You're not... A power exchange. Right. Um, but likewise, there's other terms that I feel are on the same level as, as master, mistress. Uh, you know, goddess. Yeah. Miss. Another whole class too. Right. But, th- but those, but those to me filter into the same mindset and they do. And this is just my, my personal three cents, but Whenever I hear mistress, goddess, or, or any of those honorifics, my first assumption is, oh, that's pay to play. Yeah. Um, because to me, that's a commercial honorific. That's not yours. And I don't know many professional dominatrixes and, and dominance, prodoms, that use those honorifics with their actual submissive. No, because they want to make sure they're separated as well. Right, they keep it separate. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Woody, you don't get a six thirty time slot. I'm tired. <laughs> um, no, but he did hit it on the head with the, and we've addressed it as well. The mistress still goes yeah. back to that old school. 
the moment you say it, even if you know what you're trying to mean, no one can help that ultimately, at least at this point in time, socially it still refers back to being someone's side piece. Correct. Granted, rich people's side piece in the case of Mistress. Let's not sugarcoat that shit. It's not for, you know, everyday blue collar people. It was very much for the Not anymore. Business. We're in the land of Splenda Daddies. That doesn't exist. Well, I mean, that's also true. But you get my point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is unfortunate that that association will never probably break any time in the near future. But it doesn't. And we have to kind of look at it that way as a result either way. And you should for your own senses. Because you know others will. It's, it's and that's yeah. It's just it's, a it's, situation. It, it well because I mean, I will say this. Do I understand, especially from a submissive point of view, why you would want to dedicate yourself to an MS dynamic over a DS? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, from a dominant perspective, do those really denote different types of dynamics? Yeah, they can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, definitely for me, I do see them as different gradients of the same type of power exchange. And to me, they are very different levels of commitment. Um, because to me, I view, I view top and bottom as like how I first meet you. Dom sub is how I'm testing you. Master slave is how I am committing to you. Um, and I, I personally approach it that way because for me, when I make the determination to take someone past play partner, they go through a training collar. Then they go through the consideration collar. Then they get a collar of submission. And if they've made it past that point, they get the slave moniker. You know, current slave that I have now who's collared to the house, right. she's been with us for three years. As a prime example, it's, it didn't happen in six months. It didn't happen in a year. You know what I mean? And it's, and to me, when you make that commitment to be MS, I do feel like it's more, you're looking down the path instead of at the bricks in front of you. Right. Um, so I do see it as more of an emotional investment in the, in that regard. Um, and that's, and that's why I also bring up ownership property with Master Slave, because I feel ownership property is on the same wavelength of MS. I just feel like it's, it's a different negotiation. No, I agree with that. And I, it's, also, totally it's also one that I don't feel a lot of people are familiar with, even in kink, um, because it's very medieval. Um, like, and, and I'll... You know, I'll use my husband as a prime example. He practices more of MSOP than he does DS. Um, he did it with me, and, and I've seen him do it with other submissives, right? Um, to, to him and his flavor of dominance, when somebody says, I'm your slave, it is purely service-based. It, it is absolutely medieval. You serve the house. You serve at the, the pleasure of the Lord. And... You know, that's that's where you sit in the pecking order. And so and it works for him. It works very well for him. But he also practices hierarchical ethical non-monogamy. Um, so it's so it's now it doesn't mean that he's not still loving and caring and all of those, you know, happy, feel good things that 
everybody needs. It just means that it's a different type of dynamic and it's a different type of commitment. He's not going to be committed to a slave the same way he is to me as his wife. He views them as very separate, very different. Um, oh, absolutely. And so that's, you know, but, but that's what works for him. I'm not saying, and, and that's the thing is it doesn't mean that that's how it is for everyone. You know, I've met other people who practice uh, ownership property that from the outside, you would think, oh my God, how did they consent to that? You know, she's got a shaved head and she's branded and all of these other things. And you're like, wow, that's, yeah. And that's the key. It's when you talk to them, they're very well adjusted, very much in a loving, committed dynamic, often married in the vanilla world, probably have kids. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not, it's not coming from a place of mental instability. It's coming at a place of such deep devotion that they felt like taking those terms and owning them and, you know, having the shaving of the head and the branding and things like that were needed to solidify I'm yours. You know, not everybody needs that. Right. Not everybody wants that. And that's okay. And that's why I opened from when I described dominance versus master for myself and my perspective. It was specifically my perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. And part of that is because I, I recognize everybody has to recognize whether they want to or not. When you say master in a king community with any kind of actual functional grown up kingsters, you are stating something that everyone is going to have a perspective and opinion on, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And how you use it at that point could make or break your reputation even. Because it is a political title at this point. Mm-hmm. Not because we want it yeah. to be, but because it's become that. Because enough people have misused it that way. And this is one of those things that you know nobody likes talking about, but even in kink we have, there's always that one person who ruins it for everybody else. If people did not show up in communities, start labeling themselves as masters and being asshats, we wouldn't take you calling yourself master with the same level of stink eye when you're 20 Mm -hmm. years old. We might give you the benefit of the doubt that maybe you know what you're talking about. Unfortunately, many of your peers have screwed it up for you. So whether you like it or not, the moment you put that moniker on yourself, and it's not a personal dynamic, which is the key element there. Right. If it's between you and your slave and that's what you're comfortable with, that's your business. I don't care. It is not my business at that point what you call yourselves in private. That is all on you. And I have no issues with it. I don't care. It's not my business. You are welcome to it. More power to the both of you. If you Mm -hmm. describe yourself as a master in an environment that is public and communal and you are not referring to your personal dynamic, I am absolutely going to look at you a certain way especially if you are not referred that way by the rest of the community. Yeah. And that's the key element. I have only once in my life been referred to as a master in my community. And it's been many, many years since, because I haven't been in any community long enough to re-earn that somewhere else. So you don't hear me call myself master. I won't. Now, if I'm ever in a situation where I'm in a personal relationship that's like that, that's different. But I am not currently there, and I'm not going to use that title otherwise. And yes, much the same way deities, owners, and they're, they're all their own separate entities in terms of how their relationships work. But yeah. they're all forms of 24-7 level control, whether it's just property. Deity is in the same, I won't say it's the same as ownership, but it's in the same boat of 
whoever is the bottom end of that equation, whoever the S-type is, has basically chosen to let you dictate how they live. That is literally the nature of that particular TPE type. And like you use the example, shaved head, tattooed a certain way, colored your hair a certain way, dressed a certain way. And there's people that are into that. And again, it goes back to ethicality. If you are both ethically practicing and you want to be bimbified, slutified, colored a certain way, shaved a certain way, dressed a certain way, and that's something you both enjoy ethically, more power to both of you. I have no judgment at all. Enjoy yourselves. The whole point is kinky fuckery and you're practicing it. More power to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not my particular cup of tea. But I have zero judgment about it at all. I am all for it if you're enjoying yourselves. Well, and that's and that's the thing. If both people are consenting, it is what it is at the end of the day. Right. right? I I support your ability to make bad decisions. Right. Well, and it goes to owner has more than one connotation in that point. I know handler is technically another form of that, but owner and handler are frequently interchangeable in the pet play world in that regard. And pet play is another one of those where it's almost always 24-7, not every time, but frequently, because the nature of that relationship type is also about property, about yeah. full control. Obviously in a different format, and I'm not going to suggest that, you know, pet play owners are the same as masters or deities. They have their mm -hmm. own specifics and nuances. And at some point we will probably cover many of the other types individually, because I do want them to have their representation. But for the purposes of this particular episode, we're going to keep it simple, much like daddies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Daddies are another one where even more so than it used to be, it's not 24 seven anymore. And it used to be all the time. Mm -hmm. And this is something I'm, always going to have a strong opinion about because when I started, if you called yourself daddy, you had the level of recognition amongst your community to be a master or somewhere nearby it. Mm -hmm. You were recognized as an experienced individual in kink. You were capable of articulating that to your local space. And you were seen as someone who was safe enough for that level of commitment from a little. Because a little was also basically a slave type back then. And it was very much inherently a 24-7 dynamic. Nowadays, obviously, that's no longer the case. And I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody how their particular DDLG slash CGL plus or whatever you want to call it now. I am never going to tell you how your dynamic looks. And that's something we've said more than once. And I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face one day. <laughs> because I don't want anyone to ever misunderstand that I have any judgment whatsoever. If you're both ethical, consenting, and happy, I don't care what it looks like. You have mm -hmm. to care what it looks like. So if you're happy with it, not my problem. Not my business. You enjoy yourselves. But it doesn't change where it came from. Right. And so I'm going to speak from both ends of that table as someone who is actively currently a daddy myself. And someone who has been around it for, you know, going on 27 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you are 20 and call yourself a daddy, I'm going to watch you a little differently than a 50-year-old who calls himself a daddy. And part of that is experience. Part of that is understanding. And a recognition that that doesn't mean you know the connotations of that if you just came to kink. Because how could you possibly know about something that has changed over the last 30-some years that dramatically if you've never been in it? That's not unreasonably unfair. That's not reasonably fair. For me to judge you that way. 
But I still recognize it for myself in the fact that I know where it came from because I do believe that f- understanding the roots of it matters, even if it's not something you actively practice now. Because it helps you understand what that relationship type looks like and why it looks a certain way. You know, it's the same thing as, you know, you may be a dominant in a 24-7 relationship. And you still call yourself a dominant or an owner or a deity or a master. Right. And those titles all have their history. Mm -hmm. And I think that you should think about that history when going out into the community and describing yourself as such. At least so you, much like leather, you can at least articulate how you look at it. You are showing your age, son. Oh, well. (laughs) I mean, I can't help how old I am. (laughs) Well, but that's, oh my God, that's like a whole other episode. But the. It is. It is. So the the appropriation of, of names and titles now and reclassifying what they mean yeah, gets I, on my fucking nerves. I think anyone who's ever listened to us or seen us around in the in the chateaus are, are well aware of our opinions about labels. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, open about it. I really do. But we're just I, I'm open when it comes from a pure place. If it's just yes. one of those, I like this term. And so I'm going to define it this way, because. Screw the establishment. I'm doing this. I I don't respect yeah, that. No, no, that's totally different. And no, when it's okay. when it's one of those of like, hey, I've tried these dynamics, and this is the one that that I've settled on because I feel like it encompasses me and works for me. I can get behind that. Oh, absolutely. Um, because to me, there's there's a process that has happened. You didn't just appropriate a word. Well, um, I just like the way this sounds, so I'm using that anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna redefine it because fuck you, it's my word. Yep. Like that's, I think those are the ones that bother me because exactly. it's like, to me, it, it's, it comes, it's, to me, it's a lot of the cancel culture type crap that's popular right now, but it's, it's almost like you're shitting on everyone else who's used that term before you. And you're telling them that, that their definitions don't matter because yours is now supreme. And that's yes. what I can't stand. Exactly. I don't, I have, I have a very hard time with that. Well, it goes back to what I've said before about I don't care how your dynamic looks to the two of the people involved or three or five or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't even have to be two, just so we're clear. Whatever your particular power exchange polycule, molecule, duocule, whatever it is, <laughs> I'm, I just don't want anyone to ever think for a moment that I don't that, you know, I'm specifying because I don't care what it is. I don't care if there's six of you and you're all slaves to each other. That's your business. <laughs> If you are able to be safe, ethical, and capable of articulating that to those around you who want to understand where you got it. Yes. That's it. That is all of it. And after that, it is your business and behind closed doors. I don't have to care what it looks like or how you describe it past that because you do for you. And that's where it matters. Now, if you come in and insist that I have to be a slave because of the way you see it, that's different. Mm-hmm. And that's where my point of contention is. You can call yourself daddy all you want, but if you're describing something that doesn't work because it's convenient for you to dismiss 30 plus years of history for the term, yes. then you can go fuck yourself. That's different. And it's rude. Because it, it I don't is. care if you call yourself a daddy. That is between you and your particular partner. You know, mm-hmm. Even if it's just you get handcuffed once a week or once a year on your birthday and she calls you daddy while she does her business. That's between you and more power to you. No one else has to care. Right. 
So more power to the both of you. Enjoy yourselves. God knows I'm all about enjoying ourselves. That's kind of the point. But don't come into a space and insist everyone calls you daddy or master with no understanding Mm -hmm. of what the term means. Because nobody is going to look at you and take that title at face value and act like it doesn't matter what it was before that. No one on earth operates that way. That'd be like calling yourself the president of the United States and walking (laughs) into a room. How many people do you think are going to really believe that for a second? It doesn't matter no how one. healthy you get with it. No one's going to look at you seriously. No. And that's the example I use for a reason. Because it is just as ridiculous. I don't care what you refer to yourself as. I have no problem with you using titles and terms you feel comfortable with. Have the sense of understanding that when you enter a community, those titles will have a meaning whether you like it or not. That You have to at least be aware of and able to articulate the difference. That's it. It's as simple as that. And you can sit there and say, I know that daddy means something else in the rest of the community. This is just what works for me. If you're not forcing me to call you that, then I'm fine with it. I totally respect that because you're aware of the difference. You've shown the intelligence to recognize the term has meaning beyond what you want. That's it. It should be that simple. And it amazes me how unsimple it is. Which, again, labels is almost... We covered labels once before, and I have a suspicion mm-hmm. we'll eventually end up having to cover it again one day. Um, but I don't want to take up any more of this podcast for that. No. God knows they're not worth the effort. <laughs> look it on a tangent. You can go be another four-hour episode. Ladies and gentlemen, go have fun with that. Um, <laughs> uh, as far <laughs> as, you know, we've covered the 24-7 types. Mm-hmm. And there's not... We, we still haven't technically covered house dominance, but I feel like they don't really need a separate conversation Mm-mm. in the sense no. of they're just dominants who happen to serve a household as a dominant in the capacity for that house, as opposed to having a particular submissive that's theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the difference point that matters. You know, when a submissive needs something done or needs to appropriate something for service, they come to a house dominant even if you're not a dominant for them specifically. And that's really the only big difference. Is that the other representative her- for everyone involved in the house. Right. The other term I've heard thrown around is major domo. Yes. Um, see, I've heard that in several different formats because I've heard major domo. I've heard first girl. I've heard mm-hmm. uh, sub domo yeah. or domo sub. And they're not always submissives. Um, it's no. not uncommon for it to be a master of the, of the house or any number of other people, but it is commonly ending up as a, effectively a head sub, for lack of a better way to put it, a head submissive type, where they have chosen to do the equivalent of service topping, where they take the reins of other submissives who don't feel they should go to a dominant about it, or it's not their place to, depending on your particular house regulations and policies where they go to that person for protocol learning, for asking questions about their service, or just to have things to do for the day so they're not in the way. Um, That wasn't my particular household, but I know households where that was the case, where they were essentially sent, you know, you talk to the the domo sub, you don't talk to us about that stuff. Exactly. She will handle the house. And that's effectively what they were. They were like the house matron, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they were not themselves a dominant, 
but they other dub submissives answered to them. Right. Was the way that worked for the purposes of a household working cohesively. And they certainly have their place as well because they are kind of a form of dominant. I think of him more as a line supervisor. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think it's they'd like, ever want to be referred to as the dominant. No. They themselves want to be a submissive. But it's a form of service topping. It is. Mm-hmm. Because they are taking control of other submissives for the purposes of. And they have chosen that responsibility. Because it's certainly not something you just get shoved on you. Because any dominant no. just says, well, you're going to do this whether you like it or not in the household. Well, if it's for someone who clearly doesn't want to do it, you're kind of hurting everybody involved, including yourself. <laughs> That's also true. Because if they don't want to do it, you don't want them to do it. They're just going to. Well, they're not going to do it well. Right. And everyone's going to suffer for it, including yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, The other two that I definitely want to make sure I mention because they're relatively uncommon, but they are very much dominance just like the rest of us. And I don't want anyone to think they don't exist or that I don't care that they exist. The big one being Mm -hmm. key holder. And Ooh, yes. another one like Masters, who have had quite a bit of the term thrown around. A lot of people don't even know what it means. But at least the traditional meaning once upon a time. Let me specify that that way for a reason. Because I haven't heard of a new definition recently, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I don't want someone to think that I don't care that it exists if it does. I just am not personally aware of it. A key holder is essentially someone who held, whether it's a locking collar, a chastity device essentially locking away that particular person. Whether or not it's their person is the key part of that, because a key holder isn't always someone else's partner is the key part of that. Other than for the purposes of monitoring the key and lock of that device. Whether it's at events, whether it's at home, it doesn't matter what gender it is. I know plenty of females with locking collars who had a key holder because essentially they were the responsible party to see that they were not collared by another until they felt comfortable with the person involved. Um, but wouldn't that fall more under protector? It can, and there is some overlap with both, but this is specifically in the case of something like a locking collar where they can go to an event with the collar and the lock on and it's clear that they are locked. And so someone clearly has to have the key. So Mm -hmm. much like a protector, much like someone's dominant, you would not go up to the sub and ask them how they're doing without approaching the key holder as well. Mm. Because it is their responsibility to see the submissive is cared for in that capacity before handing over the key or giving it back. It's a very specific negotiation situation. Mm -hmm. It has a whole series of rituals and triggers and everything that are associated with it that I don't pretend to know all of. I won't say that I do. I won't pretend I'm that expert. But I'm familiar with many of. Um, It's also very common in extreme bondage between non-personal partners in the same format. Well, and that's kind of more of what I'm used to. Like, I mean, in in my my circles, you know, in in the femdom realm, um, which is another term I can't fucking stand. But in in the dom realm, dame, um, miss dame if you're nasty. um, Key holder in that is strictly for chastity. Right. You don't you don't hear key holder used in anything other than chastity, and that does not denote the sex of the slave either. Um, no, definitely not. Because <laughs> I'm glad people get my references. <laughs> I'm such a '90s kid. Um, 
<laughs> born in the 80s, raised in the 90s. Um, but the... <laughs> I know, you are old. I'm, I'm here to remind you. I, d- I don't need help. My submissive reminds me just fine. I assure you. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But, but so I've I've only ever dealt with key holding in a chastity sense. Um, and you're right. It's not always an intimate partner and it's not necessarily somebody that you have a DS dynamic with. Um, I've had people that have asked me to be a key holder for a specific time frame because they have a specific goal in mind. Um, I've also had people come to me and ask me to become a key holder because they're trying to you know, practice more self-awareness and, you know, things like that. And they're using chastity as a vehicle for, I'll compare it to like, you know, meditation and things like that, you know, well, because that's how a lot of people use it, especially, yes. you know, I'll, I'll say, um, persons with, with the penises, they, they tend to do it the most. Yes. So, um, you know, chastity on bodies with vaginas is, trickier and a little different not that it can't be done i've i've actually endured that myself um and i say endure for a reason right i did not go well in his favor um (laughs) did not Mm -hmm. yep um but that's that's how i've always viewed keyholder um i've not commonly seen it used in regards to collars because what I have been exposed to more often is the role of protector um, where somebody was wanting to go to an event, but they were worried about being preyed upon and being, you know, chum in the water to the dominant sharks. Right. So they wanted to wear a collar so that people kind of kept their distance and were a little more respectful potentially. And so they wanted to wear a collar so that they could say, Oh, so-and-so has, I am on a speech protocol or so-and-so has said that I have to clear all my partners through them some kind of layer of protection, right? Right. Um, and it's not, to me, I don't feel any of those are actually DS. It's to me, it's not directly. because to me, it's, well, and, and I put it this way because to me, when, when somebody comes to you and they want to engage in a power exchange, you know, again, it's actual power exchange. They're voluntarily giving up something to you in exchange for something else, right? Whereas I feel like key holding, especially in the way that you're describing it with collaring, to me is not on the same wavelength. It's not, and it's... They, ha- they have a different goal. They have a different mindset. It's a different priority. And so to me, it's just it's just a completely different... I guess it is still a type of dynamic. It's just, to me, not in line with power exchange. It's more self-serving. The reason I put it in there the way I do is you have to keep in mind that I have seen both ends of both protector and keel. Depending on the community you're in and the part of the the world you're in, they have been interchanged more than once. Um, But they've also evolved in different lines. And they came from the same point, but different forms, different exchanges different styles have evolved them very differently where keyholder has kind of become exclusively in the bondage arena of chastities etc but once Mm -hmm. upon a time it was another form of protector where it was self-inflicted like would he use the excuse about self-collaring as a protector for the night where the submissive approaches someone they trust and says listen i don't have anything to you we are not beholden to each other 
but I want to go to this event and I don't want to be bothered by anyone I'm not interested in. Would you be willing to be my key holder for the night or protector for the night? If anybody bothers me, I can refer to you to handle it. Right. But that's still essentially not – it's still an exchange, but it's a lot more limited because it's coming from the submissive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen the other side of that too, and it's more common in places like Gorian-level uh, property yeah. ownership where yeah. it's not even always negotiated depending on the level of control that's already involved in their negotiated situation where a master-slash-owner's friend – because let's say the master has gone on vacation for a week or needs to handle business in another part of the world for a couple of weeks. And they give that key, they give that protectorship to their friend, at which point it depends on the style, the situation, and the people involved. And I say that because I have seen the limited point of the equivalent of a protector for the night, where it's simply someone is a go-between for negotiation purposes. But I have also seen where they effectively take full control of that submissive for the length of time the other person is gone. And everybody involved is agreed on that or is fine with that or whatever the case may be. And I have seen that also the case where they effectively become the de facto master for that length of time until they return. And that's – I'm personally a little uncomfortable with how far that goes. But mm-hmm. if everybody involved is fine with it, it goes back to that's their business. But because I have seen all of those things, I'm loath to not at least mention it in passing. Like, this isn't the same, but you should be aware this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Because it does have its place. It's not nearly as common, but it's definitely there. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. And of course, the final point of reference for that, because I definitely want to hear wrap up soon, but I don't want these those that are this type feel like they're left out. Makers. Uh, specifically, makers work Ooh. within the dollification end of things. Yeah. And that's a very specific role for a very specific fetish group. So it's a lot more uncommon. But, but I don't want them to think that that means they don't count because they definitely do. They have their place like anybody else. But they how would you describe how, – how are you describing that as power exchange versus fetish? Um, the tr- The way it's been described to me before and I'm – I'm borrowing this because I'm not personally familiar with it. I don't know enough of them to have articulated it to speak beyond Mm -hmm. my own opinion. So let me preface with this is based on my perspective and what little I have learned because I haven't personally had a chance to learn it. It's a great disclaimer. It's important because I don't want someone (laughs) to think I'm speaking as an expert because I'm not. Right. Right. I am not personally familiar with the ins and outs of it. So I'm sure there's nuances I am not aware of and I don't want people to think I am. If you want that, you're going to have to dig for it from someone who actually is an expert. And, you know, Google is your friend. Um, <laughs> the maker usually is someone who controls the doll because dollification is very specific. It and is. As opposed to bimboification, where it's making that person up a certain way, dollification is literally turning them into an object. Yes. And the reason they refer to a maker is essentially the person who makes the doll and more importantly, controls them with sets of rules and commands by which they operate and respond. Mm -hmm. Whether it's dress up, which frequently dress up is part of the scene as well, if it's a scene situation. But it's specifically someone who takes control of that particular doll. Their owner, their operator, their the maker, crafter. I've heard crafter once in passing, and I don't know if that actually has any traction beyond that once, but it's an interesting title. Mm -hmm. But it's very much still... 
a, a real power exchange like anybody else is because there's still very much that going on. And it is very much in that 24-7 arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard it referred to in scenes only as well. I wouldn't pretend that I know where that line stops for them. I guess it's probably, I would guess it's probably based on the want of those individuals. Like sure. service topping or scening. Mm-hmm. But I don't want them to feel like they don't count in the grand scheme of the D. <laughs> right. Because they definitely have their place with the rest of us like anybody else. And by the same token, let me make sure that disclaimer is on the end. If there is a particular D type that we have missed because they are either very, very much on the end spokes of a wheel, if they're part of that where they're just gaining title now and we're not aware of them because there's like six people that practice it, please don't think I'm not counting you or that you don't exist. You are very much a dominant like all the rest of us. There is always going to be changes, evolutions in the King community, and it's always going to evolve. And I'm not going to pretend that I am always going to know everything about every term that has ever been heard. So don't ever think that that means you don't have a place because we haven't covered it. It just means we aren't personally aware of them yet. But for the record, if you happen to be one of those and want me to learn about it, I will happily listen. Just so we're clear. Mm -hmm. Because I'm always open for new things. Well, because it's fun. It absolutely is. It's a journey. I may not ever Mm -hmm. want to be into dollification personally, but I do still find it fascinating to learn about. I think it's interesting. I like watching it. That's that's one of, I will say, that's one of the fetishes that I am more of a voyeur. Yeah. Because I love watching it happen. But I myself do not want to engage. Right. And I I find it absolutely delightful to watch. I totally agree with Mm -hmm. that. Because frequently it's not even that sexual. At least not at first. It can usually go that way, but it doesn't start that way. And it's not the focus. And that's why I find it entertaining. Is it's not about the sexual end of it. Right. Not at all. Right. Um, Is there any particular type that you may know about that I haven't gotten to is a better question at this junction. (laughs) No, I feel like that's pretty comprehensive. I mean, it's, I would say those, those are the main ones, right? Right. Um, I, I think any, any of the ones that we might have unintentionally forgot are a little more fringe. Um, right. So no, I'm, I'm actually pretty content with that list. I am too. I just, I always want to make sure that there's space for, because of course there should be. Right. Um, that said, I do think it's wrap up time because we've, we've covered quite a bit and I think people can digest plenty of this. Uh, <laughs> right. Final thoughts. Uh, is there anything yeah. you would like to add as we wrap up? I, I The only thing that I, I like to add and close on is that just because you come into this lifestyle and decide that you're a dominant of some flavor and you pick a term, it doesn't mean that you have to stay with that term for your entire kink life. Oh, God, no. You know, I mean, that, and that's the thing. Dominance evolve and your terms, your terminology is going to evolve with you. You know, I was not always imperatrix. I think it has to, honestly, at least to some extent. I think it should. I think it should, because if you're not growing and changing, then you're not adapting and you're stagnating. And that's, that's all dangerous and toxic. Yes. Um, and, and to me, that makes you a person that may not be worth my time investing even on a friend level. So, I mean, it's, 
I, that's what I would say. If you come in and decide, hey, I'm a top, be the best fucking top you can be. If you decide after topping that you want to take a submissive and you, you want to start using that term dominant, use it. Test it. Feel it out. See if Absolutely. it works for you. And you don't know? be afraid to ask people for help and to find out more about it if it's something you want to learn about. Please do. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's an identity that you're not sure with, but all of a sudden it starts to resonate with you. Try it. You know, I encourage everybody to try it because yes. worst thing, it doesn't work and you go back to just being a top. And you know what? That's fine, too, because if your partner's happy and you're happy, then just be a top. Exactly. You know, I, I don't. Yeah, I never want people to get so hung up and like, well, that's not a very dominant thing for me to do. I guess I'm not a good dominant. No, that's that's not accurate at all. No, you're still a person. If, you're still a person, right? So it goes back to not yeah. being Dombot five thousand. I mean, mm-hmm. That's and that's yeah. That's all I would say about that. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I I always end up coming back to the same thing because I I always want people to actually be capable of. If you don't have something you're aware of, something we haven't covered, something you're curious about, whether it's actively part of this episode or another episode or something we haven't covered yet. If you have heard this, if you have managed to find this somewhere in the interwebs and you're hearing this now and you've gotten this far, if you have questions, email me, reach out for me, join the server. There are ways to do all those things with a little bit of effort. It requires virtually no elbow grease. I am out there for everyone to find. Samesies. Hell, you pretty sure you can find me just by going to the RSS feed for the podcast itself. I mean, <laughs> also that. Ask questions. Ask me things if you want to learn them. I will always take the time to help people find what they want to learn, especially when it comes to BDSM. Always, mm-hmm. every time, because I want you to be the most educated you can be for your comfort zone. And just as importantly, I want you to learn all the things that you can get back to what we're all out here for in the first place, which is kinky fuckery. Because you can't have the kinky fuckery without education. Also that. And I want you to have the best damn time you can have, no matter how messy it gets. (laughs) Play safe and play hard. Exactly. That's what I want. I'm down for this motto. Play safe, but play hard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's my goal in life. For everyone, thank you for coming. For those that have been listening or have listened, stop through. For anyone who listens once we post this, thank you for coming and listening. Thank you for being part of our group. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, everyone.